like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this, what is it, Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are live here at 1225 here on this Monday afternoon edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It's November 23rd, 2020, and we have two days left in the 2020 semester. This is going to be flipping awesome. I'm excited to take a little break from everything Go back home, make a make a fair amount of money working for my dad during this little off period that everybody has, and yeah, it's just gonna be very, very nice. This this semester has been everybody I think can agree that this has been a very rushed semester, and it's been how fast we've reached this point of the year is ridiculous to me. My brain has not come across to the idea that Thursday is Thanksgiving yet, and that Iowa plays Nebraska on Friday. I have not wrapped my uh, average-sized brain around that happening until, I don't know, probably a week ago. A week ago from today, I was like, oh, crap, next week's Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a normal Thanksgiving if we're going to have family and friends over. I severely severely doubt it, but you never know. You never really know. We'll see how things go, and I'm always excited for Iowa versus Nebraska. It's been a while since Nebraska's beaten Iowa, but you know what's the beauty of college football? Anything can happen on any given Saturday. No one is unbeatable. Look at Clemson. They lost finally. Now it's to Notre Dame, a de facto ACC team this year, but they still lose every once in a while. Liberty, who was undefeated, lost this week. Even the best can fall sometimes. Ohio State almost fell this weekend. Indiana Goodness gracious, how that would happen how how crazy would that have been? Ohio State was up twenty eight to seven at halftime, and Indiana almost beat them. That is absolutely ridiculous to think about. They were twenty point favorites in the game. I don't think anybody, including myself, gave Indiana a chance in hell in beating the Ohio State University. Justin Fields arguably actually I wouldn't say arguably. This was his worst game as a college quarterback. Justin Fields by all accounts, this season has been his best season in college football. Prior to this game Saturday, Justin Fields had more total touchdowns than incompletions on the season. Now that obviously changed on Saturday after throwing three interceptions against Indiana, a couple very bad ones as well, but they still managed to pull out the win. He had 170, he had 78 yards rushing. In the game, Master Teague, 169 yards rushing and two touchdowns for him. Michael Penix Jr., who my good friend Noah, who we will bring up in a little bit again, called him Michael Penix. <laughs> I, I, I think he was serious in saying this. I was like, don't call him that. Don't call Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix. Please don't disgrace him like that. Please. I beg. I don't care about Indiana football whatsoever. But, man, do not disrespect the lefty known as Michael Penix Jr., who threw 51 balls in this game, completed barely above 50% of them, but still threw for over 491 yards and five touchdowns in the game, which if you throw the ball 51 times, I expect you to be somewhere around the 500 mark, at least be over 400 yards passing. If you throw the ball 50 times and you have 200 yards passing, there's something wrong there. I'm looking at you, Iowa. But, yeah, I remember watching a Bills-Chargers game. Speaking of, like, high volume and low yardage, it was Donald Brown. If you don't remember Donald Brown, I wouldn't blame you. He was a late first-round draft pick to the Indianapolis Colts, then went to the Chargers, did absolutely nothing, and then I don't know if he went anywhere after the Chargers. And, um, yeah, baller in college, baller at UConn. He had over 2,000-yard season one year. He balled out. Got himself a first-round draft pick, as we said. But against the Bills, this was like probably five or six years ago now. And he rushed the ball 31 times for 62 yards. That is like elite uh, elite averageness, I guess you could call it. Elite and average usually don't go hand-in-hand hand like that. But that was one of those experiences where I was like, God damn. <laughs> What what is going on here? I've never seen this. He I've seen like like nine carries for 18 yards. That's something that's you could see happening every once in a while. 31 carries for 62 yards. 
That is elite stuff right there. <laughs> Against the Bills. The Bills have never, at least in my lifetime, had a very good run defense. Now, that was, I believe, the Jim Schwartz era of Bills defense before Rex Ryan decided to take to fire him, essentially, and ruin the once great Bills defense before Sean McDermott brought it back from the dead once, Sean, once <laughs> Rex and uh, Rob Ryan tried to kill it. It's now back. Now, it hasn't been playing great this year, but, you know, it's it's on the up. It's on the up and up. But, yeah, some crazy games in college football this week. So we're going to talk about some college football, obviously, because it was on the weekend. We got some MLS to talk about as well. The MLS playoffs started on Friday, and we forgot to talk about it on Friday. And I think, I hope you would all remember me saying this a few weeks ago. I have stopped writing scripts for the show. I kind of just set the microphone up, plug it in, and it go. I've stopped writing scripts for it. So when I forget something, like if I said I was going to talk about the MLS at the beginning, which I don't remember if I did or not on Friday, more likely than not, if I didn't write it down, I'll probably forget it by the time I reach the 50th minute of the episode after we just spent a half hour, 40 minutes talking about the NHL jerseys. Sorry about that if we didn't talk about it. But the game that I did say... I could see an upset happening out of all the first round matchups. This is the one game I could see an upset happening happened. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. We look at my MLS's or not the MLS's back bracket. I'm used to saying that because we did that during the summer, the MLS playoff bracket. We will talk about that in a little bit. Also got Heisman Candacy stuff to talk about. And there's a thing that I saw on Instagram that was very intriguing on which quarterback would you rather take for this team? And we'll talk about that team and that quarterback Coming up in a little bit, we obviously got some NFL stuff to talk about. Sadly, a a number one overall pick is meeting the same fate as a number one overall pick Heisman winner that came before him. And we'll talk about him in a little bit and how the number five overall pick and the number six overall pick, how they did this week as well. And yeah, but before we get into all of that, there's a lot of stuff we have to talk about obviously today. And I'm sorry if I forget any of those things in advance before the show's over. I want to do this. So obviously, go follow Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Instagram, Twitter. Go like the Facebook page. Go follow the Logan Blackman Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search Logan Blackman Show will pop up. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel because we got something very big coming in, I would guess, a few weeks. I don't really know the exact timetable of this. It's basically how I do in doing my part of the thing because I don't have any worries about the other two people that are involved in this but it's mostly on my end i'm nervous for my part on it. but that'll be coming in the near future so make sure you're subscribed so you can be up to date on that or just follow me on twitter on my personal account because that's kind of where i'm posting the podcast and we'll post the video once it is ready to go that is logan underscore blackman that's my personal twitter account so make sure you go ahead and follow that and yeah, without with without further ado, I would like to talk about something that I did this weekend. So I talked about this a little bit on Friday without actually saying what it was about. And that is <laughs> the bald tier list. So I talked about this mystery tier list that I wanted to do on uh, Friday when we did the NHL ret- reverse retro jerseys. I wanted to do this, but I was like, I want to do this with friends. So instead of doing it on a show, I did. we did this on Saturday. We spent about an hour, hour and a half ranking bald people on a tier list. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we did with our weekend since Iowa played on Friday. So <laughs> we got, or no, they didn't play on Friday. They played Saturday. What am I talking about? They played Minnesota on Friday a couple weeks ago. That was before the Iowa game, okay? Before the Iowa game, before they obliterated Penn State, which kind of expected because Penn State's having the worst year in literally school history this year and yeah we spent a lot of time it was me my, myself Noah Mueller and Spencer Feinberg we all did this tier list ranking bald people and there was a lot of bald people that we put on here I made the tier list I think Thursday morning because Spencer, the reason this got brought up, because we Spencer, Noah, and I were watching the NBA draft, and Spencer and I were talking about Adam Silver and where he ranks as a bald man. So we obviously went through a tier list. I made a tier list with all the bald people that popped in my head and threw them on a document on Tier List Maker, 
or tier maker, I can't remember the exact website, and put them all together and created tiers. So we got the GOAT tier, a tier we added in on Saturday, LeVar Bald. See, get it? We got into that tier, and then I got a bald head, if you remember that from the YouTube, the, the viral video from a few years ago, where it's the dude stealing, like, groceries and stuff. I got a bald head! And if you don't remember that, I'm sorry, go look it up. Light bulb, which is basically just average, essentially. Like, you're just bald for the sake of being bald. Uh, follically challenged. And this was, okay, here was something that we did here. This wasn't, like, rating how bald said person is. This is about the whole aspect of them being bald. This is about how, of course, that they have to be bald. And two, the how they exude their baldness. Are they an elite bald person? And that's how we did it. So falsely challenged does not mean they have hair but are balding, even though there's a person on here that's doing that. Falsely challenged basically means, I know the actual definition is like, okay, he's losing his hair. But, this is just like, you're bald, but you're not bald, if you know what I mean. Like, there, there's, being bald is more than just being bald. There's so much more in-depth analysis that we could do there, but I'm not going to get into it now, because it will take the rest of the show. And then average baldness, basically the lowest tier, like, you are just bald. There's nothing else to you other than you being bald. You're not cool, you're not fun, you're not anything, people hate you, so we throw you on the average baldness tier. So, on the GOAT tier... We put Adrian Peterson. He was the first one we threw in goat tier because I don't think I've ever seen him with hair. And he's one of the greatest running backs of all time. PJ Fleck was also on here. We threw away all biases in this. Because if you know me, I'm a mass, I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. And throwing Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols, I know, in the third tier, which at the time when we put him in there was the second tier, it was hard, but we had to do this list right. And... P.J. Fleck exudes the swag and has more to him than just being bald. And with all the energy he exudes, puts him on that top tier. He's very similar in that aspect to Tyson Fury, which Tyson Fury, to me, is the greatest bald man on the planet currently. Uh, championship boxer, heavyweight champion of the world, ring champion, like everything Tyson Fury is, does, he's sick. He shaves his head literally every day. He's got the swag. He's swagged out every time he gets the chance to be in front of a camera. He's always swagged out. He's always singing after he knocks somebody out or beats them in a match. He's always singing. Tyson Fury is the greatest bald man on the planet. And then it upset me that the Tear Maker logo covered this person because it was Todd Hafner, my old head coach at William Penn University. He is on here. So, Coach Hafner, if you are listening to this show, you are on the tier list. But I didn't realize that you were covered up until after I posted it. So, I apologize for that. But I'd still like to make it well known and well documented that I think Todd Hafner is one of the goat bald people on the planet. You know, if I was going back and ranking these, I'd go Tyson Fury, Todd Hafner, Adrian Peterson, PJ Fleck. But this is just how we did it at the time. LeVar Bald... Obviously, has LeVar Ball up there, Mike Tyson. Eliquium Mangala was one that we threw on here because if you talk about a shiny head, this dude used to play for Manchester City. So, again, this is throwing all biases away. Has one of the shiniest heads of all freaking time. Eliquium Mangala. And this is also before people start getting upset about people we may have left off, like Brian Erlacher, Yaya Toure, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Like, we... This was people that are currently still involved in sports. So he could have theoretically put in Michael Jordan because he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, I just went with people that were involved in sports. And LeVar Ball, this was topical because LaMelo Ball got drafted third overall by the Hornets. Uh, Then we have Dana White up here as well. And then Steve Harvey. I didn't want to put Steve Harvey in. This is the only one that (laughs) does not involve sports. Spencer wanted to throw Steve Harvey just so we could have some people that didn't don't know sports to throw their own twist on the tier list. And I was like, well, he did technically host the NFL Honors Awards, so we'll put him on there. And yeah, he he had to go on there just because of the the mustache as well. I got a bald head. We put Zinedine Zidane, the head coach of Real Madrid. Then Albert Pools, David Ross, J.B. Bickerstaff, and... Uh, Steve Clifford, Magic Head Coach. Now, I forgot, I when I uploaded the pictures and we did this Saturday, I kind of forgot who some of the people were, especially the NBA coaches, 
Like, I couldn't remember who Steve Clifford was. He was the last one we put on here because I couldn't remember who the hell he was. Uh, there's a bunch of new coaches in here, like J.B. Bickerstaff on there, who I've never heard of until I made the tier list because he's super bald. But he has a sick, like, gray patch in his beard. So I kind of wanted to throw him up to LeVar Bald, but compared to the other people on there, I don't know if he could go up there. Maybe he could. I think he should, but whatever. David Ross, manager of the Cubs, World Series champion, home run hitter in the World Series, so he had to go up there. Pools, even though I hate him because of what he did to the Cubs in the early 2000s and what he did to destroy my childhood or my semblance of a childhood, uh, yeah, I still put with Spencer and I, we put our biases aside and put him in there because Noah's a big Cardinals fan, Spencer and I are Cubs fans, so we put him up. We had to, we had to throw our biases aside. Uh, next tier list, the light bulb tier list. We have Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Brett Gardner, who has the roundest freaking bald head I've ever seen in my entire life. Bruce Arians, Brad Guzan, Adam Silver, Ian Robin, who's still playing, so it counts. John Joe Shelby, Anthony Lynn, Pep Guardiola, Marge Giordano, Lucas Mora, Rick Carlisle, David Shaw, Pepe Reina, and I can't remember who the first guy we put in here was. I'm blanking, because this is where I wish I put, like, names... Uh, oh, it's Monty Williams. Monty Williams is on the the first person on the light bulb tier. Because he's similar to J.B. Bickerstaff with the gray patch in his beard and stuff. But, yeah, I we just felt he felt really good in the light bulb tier. But we put him at the top of the light bulb tier. And Sean McDermott had to go on there. I think all these guys are just average baldness. I wanted to put John Joe Shelby higher because even though he played for Liverpool and is pretty much an all-around shithouse playing for Newcastle, even though he's very talented. I wanted to throw him a little higher on this list, but this tier list, like, if you go on average, I think Adam Silver was just, like, he is the average bald man. So we had to put him on the light bulb tier list. I couldn't put Pep Guardiola any higher. I know with the swag thing that people would like to say, I couldn't mentally put him up there. I, we, it, uh, yeah. I know he's very similar in that aspect than P and PJ Fleck, but I couldn't put him any higher than that. Falkley Challenge, Malcolm Jenkins, Brian Flores, Brian Hoyer, Jason Witten, Giorgio Chiellini, Ryan Getzlaff, Robert Sala, Fabian Delph. Um Crap. Mike Malone, Alex Caruso, Nate Bjorken, I think, and then I can't. It's the Hawks coach. Who's the Hawks coach? Now I gotta look this up. The Atlanta Hawks. I gotta... Hawks. Let's look this up because I can't remember what his name is. Lloyd Pierce. That's who is on there as well. Um, The closest one to moving up was Malcolm Jenkins because of the beard. The biggest controversy in this list was with Alex Caruso. Spencer wanted to throw him in the goat tier. Noah wanted to throw him in average baldness. Because the meme, we've talked about this on the Logan Blackman show before, the meme has grown higher than the player. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get involved in this one because I don't really know where to throw him. So we asked a third party, his name is Christian, and he put him on average. So I was like, you know what, I'll put him in follically challenge because I don't think he deserves to be on the bottom tier. And he's not bald in said picture, but he is and exudes everything we were looking for in a bald man without actually being shiny and absolutely bald. And then average baldness, this is just people we don't really like. <laughs> uh, Matt Nagy, Brad Bobley, Bob Bradley, Michael Bradley, Andrew Whitworth didn't really, don't have anything against Andrew Whitworth, just um, he's the he's the NFL player that doesn't look like an NFL player, essentially. Fab Fabinho... Jim Boylan and James Franklin. Uh, Jim Boylan, yes, I know he's not involved in sports right now. But Spencer and I are Bulls fans. I just wanted to throw him on the bottom tier just for the sake of throwing him on the bottom tier. James Franklin is the opposite of P.J. Fleck. He doesn't have the style. He don't have the swag that P.J. Fleck has, even though they're comparable college coaches. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, there's not really a lot to say about him. I despise the Bradleys, Michael and Bob. Bob Bradley was a horrible head coach that called Robbie Finley into a World Cup squad, which is ridiculous. Michael Bradley has benefited more from being Bob Bradley's kid than, or being the son of a former coach than anybody I've experienced ever. And he's also benefited from the fact that no one knows what position he's at, what he's best at, because he sucks at everything. 
Is he a holding midfielder? No, he's attacking midfielder. He's attacking midfielder? No, he's a number eight. Oh, he's number eight? No, he's a holding midfielder. And he plays freaking center back for Toronto FC every once in a while. So, like, nobody knows what his best position is because he just sucks at every one of them. And it's been frustrating. And it also comes in the fact that Jurgen Klinsmann gave him the cap to see away from my favorite player of all time and, in my opinion, the GOAT of American soccer, Clint Dempsey. So that also kind of hurt a little bit as well. But I just have never... And Michael Bradley, when you're the captain of a country that has a big international failure, like Patrice Evra, when he was the captain for the French national team at the 2010 World Cup, never was the captain again. Thiago Silva and David Luiz were the captains of Brazil when they got smashed 7-1 by Germany. Thiago Silva wasn't in the game. He got a freaking red card in the first game, a really stupid red card in the first... The, the quarterfinal game, and David Luiz was the captain in the semifinal game. How many times do you think they've been captain since then? Brazil's done rotating captaincies ever since then. And I don't think, to my knowledge, any of them have been captain since then. Because even at the World Cup, I'm pretty sure Danny Alves was the captain. The 2018 World Cup, it was either him or Marcelo, or Neymar. I think they might have just done rotating. It's not Thiago Silva anymore. Wayne Rooney lost to Iceland. Barely play- I think he played one more game for England after that. Michael Bradley loses to freaking Trinidad and Tobago, gets knocked out of the World Cup by freaking Panama, and then we're like, you know what? We'll still call him up. Because I don't know why. I really don't know why. He's not very good. He never has been good. He's just bald, and his dad used to be the head coach. And everybody, I remember Jesse Marsh, who's the head coach of Red Bull Salzburg, or RB Salzburg, I should say, uh, said, I think it was Jesse Marsh, said he's one of the greatest American soccer players of all time. No, just because he's played over 150 games in the United States does not make him one of the greatest of all time. By that regard, Phil Jones is a Manchester United legend. Now, do we think Phil Jones is a Manchester United legend? No. So I'm not ever going to put Michael Bradley as one of the legends of American soccer. Never do that. Never, ever. Just because you played a lot of games for said team, you're not a legend. Jay Cutler's not a Chicago Bears legend. He leads the Bears in passing yards. He's not a Bears legend. He's not a legend by anybody other than, like, fan groups and being outside the NFL but yeah I despise Michael Bradley I didn't even I didn't even get a second opinion I was like I'm throwing him in the bottom tier I don't care what you guys say and thankfully Tyler Adams is coming in to take his freaking spot because I'm tired of seeing him play for the United States good lord people that consider him in the goat tiers of American soccer are stupid the goat tiers of American soccer the Mount Rushmore of American soccer is Clint Dempsey Landon Donovan Tim Howard and lead either Alexi Laws, Kobe Jones, or Claudio Reyna. You don't throw Michael Bradley anywhere near that freaking team. Those four people. If I'm making a greatest American team of all time, and this is just off the top of my head, I'd probably go, well, not probably, Tim Howard's in goal, undoubtedly. Steve Trundolo is the right back. Alexi Lalas is center back with Carlos Bocanegra. And then at left back, controversially, I'll throw in Fabian Johnson because of how skilled he was he can play every position never complained about what position he was playing in for the United States even though he's a more natural winger and then we'll play a 4-2-3-1 I will throw actually no we'll play 4-4-2 because that's what they played a lot Donovan Donovan on the right then Claudio Reyna in center midfield with Kobe Jones and then on the left Christian Pulisic and then up top actually no we'll do the 4-2-3-1 and then Dempsey has the 10 and then Josie Altador is the striker that's, that would be the greatest in American soccer. Now, you could throw in Brian McBride in there as striker, or Eric Wijnaldum, or Taylor Twelman, whatever, but that is the starting line. I mean, you could probably throw DeMarcus Beasley in at left back. Probably should throw DeMarcus Beasley at left back. I kind of forgot about him. But, yeah, Michael Bradley does not scratch that team. And you could be upset that I put Christian Pulisic in there, but, no, he's the he is the first ever close to being world-class player the United States has ever produced. Close to being world-class player. I think the next closest one is... Jeez. I don't know. I really don't know. I think Christian Pulisic's the greatest chance of that. Weston McKinney is another one. Could have thrown in him in there. I would throw him over Michael Bradley. I would throw Tyler Adams in over Michael Bradley. And they're barely played for the United States. But man, you can't throw in Michael Bradley in that team. He goes in the bottom. Now, this went a lot longer than I expected. The average... Mike, Matt Nagy... Spencer just threw him at the bottom. Basically, my Michael Bradley just threw him in at the frickin' bottom because how much he dislikes <laughs> Matt Nagy being a Chicago Bears fan. I think every Chicago Bears fan despises Matt Nagy. And while we're on the topic of soccer 
and talking about Michael Bradley. Might as well just go into the MLS playoffs that started on Friday. And in my bracket, which we did last Wednesday, or no, two Wednesdays ago, because I forgot about it. And the plan was to redo it and look back at it again on Friday, but we never got around to it. So here's what it looks like. Sporting won last night. Same with Minnesota. FC Dallas, this is what we talked about when we first filled this out, was this was a game I could see an upset happening. I didn't pick FC Dallas to win, but eventually FC Dallas did come in because they're a very scrappy team, have been for a few years now. And Portland's getting older with Diego Valeri, Diego Chara getting older. And even though they're still great players, I'm not taking anything away from those two because they're legends of the MLS. Diego Chara still made the MLS best 11 this year. He's still, even at 34, he's still kicking it. But FC Dallas is just scrappy. I, again, I didn't pick it, but I said if you want to look for an upset, look at FC Dallas versus Portland. FC Dallas has screwed over Sporting Kansas City countless times recently just by beating them, not necessarily cheating or anything, but just beating them. And yeah, FC Dallas won in penalties last night. Uh, New England Revolution versus Philadelphia, that is taking place tomorrow. Then we've got also Toronto versus Nashville tomorrow. And Seattle versus LAFC, which should be a fun game taking place tomorrow as well. Uh, Orlando beat NYCFC in penalties. Not a great look for NYCFC losing to penalties on a field player. But you know what? <laughs> That's what... Man, you never think that happens. And then it happens in craziness. And then Columbus, not very surprising to me anyways. I'm kind of surprised how close it was. But Columbus beating New York Red Bulls 3-2. to two. But let's talk about Sporting versus San Jose. Now, on paper, Sporting should have blown them out of the water. Sporting's a thousand times more talented than San Jose by every aspect of it. Now, you got the odd player like Jackson Ewell and uh, Chris Wondolowski on their team, but most of the, like, you would take Sporting's team over San Jose, not really thinking twice about it. And Sporting started off early, started off very, very good. And once San Jose scored two goals in pretty quick fashion, it reminded me a lot of watching Sporting versus Vancouver in the MLS's back tournament. There was no reason Vancouver should have been anywhere close to playing with Sporting. But they did. They were with their freaking third or fourth string goalkeeper who was like 20 years old. And Sporting, it, they took over the penalties. That's what happened here. Sporting, once the second half started, got an early goal. Uh, and then they got an amazing goal. Johnny Russell, obviously one team MVP this year. Without Johnny Russell, I don't know if this team can work. Johnny Russell is the best player at sport. It's you could argue now. I'm gonna sit here and say also Alan Polito's this also. I'd say joint top players are Alan Polito and Johnny Russell. And you can even argue Felipe Gutierrez when he's healthy. He just hasn't played this year because I think he has a torn ACL. They got at the beginning of the season, but Johnny Russell, good lord, amazing captain for Sporting Kansas City. Matt, once Matt Beasler started getting frozen out of the team, and even like a few years ago, and even when Matt Beasler wouldn't play, Ilya Sanchez was the captain. Now, this year, Beasler started to get frozen out of the team. Polito became captain. Polito hasn't played very much, so Johnny Russell became captain. And now it's Johnny Russell's captaincy. And he is an awesome captain for Sporting Kansas City because he, he does everything. He is basically a forward version of Peter Vermees. Like, this, this whole Sporting Kansas City team is clones of Peter Vermees. There's tough SOBs that you don't really want to mess with. They don't do anything pretty. They're not a pretty pretty team, but they're tough. And they're never going to back down. Like, if you look at the MLS Best 11 this year, we talked about that a little bit with Diego Chara. No Sporting Kansas City players, even though they were number one seed in the Western Conference, made the MLS Best 11. But three Seattle Sounders players did. Now, am I upset about that? No, not at all. I don't think any of them really deserve being one of the MLS best 11. When you look at the four players like Jordan Morris this year, especially Ladero, Rudy is like those players. I don't think sporting gets past those players, but there's the team that sporting has is ridiculous. Like as far as teamwork and always having each other's back goes, sporting is awesome. Now they have games like this every once in a while where they play down to the level of their competition. And that was this situation. They did the same thing as I brought up with Vancouver, a game they should have waxed the floor. It's Vancouver barely had 11 players to play, let alone have an actual team. <laughs> Sporting should have waxed the floor with them. Polito was a firing on all cylinders, but Vancouver sat back, invited Sporting Kansas City's pressure, and let them shoot. 
Sporting took a lot of bad shots this game, most notably Luis Martins. <laughs> it took a lot of very bad shots in that game. But this game, Peter Ramiz brought it up at the end of the game. They're a very good man-marking team, and that kind of messed with Sporting a little bit. It doesn't instill a lot of confidence. Now, I don't... Okay, I'd like to stress this. I don't dislike Kiri Shelton. I just don't think he's that good because he's a very big forward. He's a fast, tall, muscular forward, but he can't shoot. He's not a very good shooter. That's why if you're a right-footed forward, you want to play on the left wing. Kiri Shelton alter, alter, works best, I guess, as a right winger. That's not great if you're a guy that's supposed to be a striker. That's not ideal. But his link-up play last night or yesterday was good. And you saw that in the, the goal that Gianluca Busio scored at the end of the game. And I was going freaking crazy. All set up, as I said, by Johnny Russell, who chipped the ball beautifully over to Gerso Fernandez, who played the ball on the ground to Kiri Sheldon, who instinctively thought, I'm going to backheel this to Gianluca Busio, places it beautifully. I remember when Busio first signed as a 15-year-old. Youngest player in sporting history, and then he becomes the youngest player to, I believe, score a goal in the playoffs. Like, Busio's awesome. He's undroppable. And it made me kind of scared when he got hurt. Now, I don't think he's hurt that bad. But once extra time came around, and obviously, Chris Wondolowski scored. Uh, they played eight minutes of added time to the four that they were supposed to play. People were like, oh, Sporting celebrated for two minutes. Well, then they still played two minutes over the time that Sporting celebrated. So... They weren't playing it forward at times. They are playing it sideways, but got a goal. Fair enough, whatever. And then we go to extra time. Busio gets hurt. And I was like, well, that's not ideal because Busio is one of the better penalty takers on the team. He scored the winning penalty against Vancouver in the MLS's back tournament that we were just talking about, even though he's only 18, which is awesome for him. I'm really excited to see where Busio goes for the rest of his career because I don't think he stays the whole entirety of his career at Sporting Kansas City, which is sad, but I don't foresee that happening. Penalty shootouts come, and I told my friend Noah, because I was watching it with Noah. He's a Minnesota United fan. We had the Vikings game on and the Sporting Kansas City game on at the same time. I said, as long as this goes to penalties, I'm chilling. Because Tim Milia, this is not an opinion anymore. It was an opinion yesterday when I said it. Now it's a fact, is the best penalty saver in the MLS. Maybe MLS history, because there's not, like, all you need to do is score, and you know Tim Milia is going to save it. That's why when Sporting Kansas City won the coin toss at the start of the penalty shootout, Johnny Russell said, we're taking it first. We know what Tim, this gives the Tim the idea of what he needs to do. And Tim did it. I think I saw the first shutout in a penalty shootout in MLS playoff history. I think I read that right on Twitter. Like, Tim Milley is just freaking ridiculous. He came in as like a fourth choice goalie. He wasn't supposed to be the starter for Sporting Kansas City. Now he's the greatest goalie in club history. That's saying a lot. Tony Miola played for Sporting Kansas City. Jimmy Nielsen, another one. Tim Millie is the greatest of all time in Sporting Kansas City history. I think he got a little hard, hard done by by not getting let put in like the conversation for goalie of the season. I don't think there's a goalie that compares to Andre Blake whatsoever. We said that throughout the entire MLS's back term. It's been a fact for like the past two or three years, even though Philadelphia has been off and on as for as far as consistency and how good they've been has is, but he's the best goal in the MLS. It's like Andre Vasilevsky. I know he can have an odd game every once in a while, but in the MLS, Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the in the NHL, I mean. Like, he can have a bad game. It was Carey Price a few years ago. Now Carey Price has kind of tipped off a little bit because Montreal's gotten bad, but Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL, and that's the same thing with Andre Blake. He might have a bad game every once in a while. He not be, his team might not be the best every year, but without him, they're letting in a lot more goals than without him. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. And Philly's the number one seed in the playoffs for a reason. Not just because of him, because they also got like Brandon Aronson, Mark McKenzie, who were in the MLS Best 11, and rightfully so. Which, those two, once those two leave, because Brandon Aronson's already leaving in, the, in January, going to RB Salzburg... Mark McKenzie, where his career takes him, don't know, but I don't see it at Philadelphia. <laughs> but Sporting, obviously, as I said, Johnny Russell, Ilya Sanchez, and Kiri Shelton all smashed home their penalties. Johnny Russell took the most perfect penalty I've seen in a very long time. No goalie in the world is saving Johnny Russell's penalty. Go and watch Johnny Russell's penalty in this shootout. I know Ilya Sanchez and Kyrie Shelton made the goalie go the wrong way, but Johnny Russell's goal pe- penalty was amazing. It was a great penalty, amazing penalty. Like a fantastic, unsavable penalty. 
And yeah, won the penalty shootout three nothing. Win the game. Move on to the second round. Minnesota won three nothing last night against Colorado. Portland lost on a shootout to FC Dallas, who scored a goal late in regular time to send it to overtime or to extra time. It was a 17-year-old, so I think he must have broke John Luca Busio's record for youngest goal scorer in MLS playoff history because he was 17. I remember that much. But yeah, so far in this tournament, I have gotten every game right minus FC Dallas, but I was nervous about picking Portland like that. Now, I didn't have Portland going very far, so I'm not really sitting here going like, ah, oh, crap, I had them winning the tournament. No, I had them losing the next round anyways. And I think FC Dallas will lose to Seattle because Seattle's got some of the best attackers, probably the best attack in the MLS this season. Now, I know, like, the best attacker is Carlos Vea, even though he had a down year for his standards in the MLS. But this year, no one's touching Seattle as far as an attacking trio goes. In Ladero, Jordan Morris, and Rudy is. And I know Ladero plays as a central midfielder or number 10, but I'm counting him in that because of how amazing and how integral he is to that Seattle Sounders attack. And, yeah, I had them winning MLS Cup this year, and I'm not really scared of saying putting that off. Now, I do think Sporting KC, like I put earlier, will handle Minnesota. But I don't think Sporting, with the defense that they've, with how iffy their defense has been at times, Poonchek, Defender of the Year, he both goals deflected off of him. The first two goals for San Jose deflected off Poonchek. The first goal is going to nowhere near the goal, but I'm not going to put all of those goals on him. But I think they're super tough. Punchek and Reed are the toughest center back pairing in the league. I don't think that's debatable. And But Seattle's attack is just insane. Now, they're going to need Alan Polito to play against Seattle because he was out hurt, who I was not aware he was hurt. I knew he had been battling injuries, but I thought he was going to be 100% healthy in this game against San Jose. They'll need him to play if they make it past Minnesota, which, again, I totally believe they will, knock on knock on wood. But, yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now. I think Philly will handle New England. And I know I switched up taking Miami over Na- – actually, I don't know if I officially switched up and said Nash- Miami over Nashville, but I was nervous about it. I think I was like – I'm I'm second-guessing myself, essentially, is what I said. If I remember that correctly, I could be wrong. Nashville won 3-0 against Miami. New England won 2-1 against Montreal. And, yeah, I think Toronto will handle Nashville. I think it'll probably be a 2-1 game. New England versus Philly, I bet it'll be a 3-1 game in favor of Philly. And then Seattle, I think they'll win 2-1 on that night as well. So, yeah, I've missed one game as far as the tournament is concerned, but I still feel like I'm not worried about my picks. I think they're all still going to be extremely accurate to be go down to the final final whistle I think this is how it's going to end up I think Sporting will beat Minnesota I think Seattle will beat FC Dallas I think Seattle will beat Sporting and then I think Philly beat Orlando which with the way Orlando has been getting their luck on their side and this again better be lucky than good they might be (laughs) beat Philly but I think Philly's just got too much talent to lose that game this time Uh, then I got Columbus still beating Toronto and then Philly beating Columbus and then Seattle winning MLS Cup this year that's my prediction Seattle's turning into a freaking dynasty. Good Lord. They've won, what, two out of the last three or three of the last four MLS Cup finals? They're turning into a nice little program over there, which is scary. They got a really good goalie as well. I haven't really talked about him that much. It was Stefan Fry. Talk about another goalie that could be mentioned as one of the top goalies in the league. He could, he's up there as well. I don't think he's in the same fear, stratosphere and, as Melia and especially Andre Blake, but he gets he gotta get some respect as far as being one of the best goalies in the MLS. And, and going in depth on the Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota, I did not have any worries about Minnesota beating or losing to Colorado. I think that was a pretty walk in the park for Minnesota. But they've lose they lost three of their best players due to injury, or at least three of their most important players. Michael Parra being the most important one. But yeah, it'll be fun. I do totally think Sporting will win. I think they won't win MLS Cup. Because, again, I'm a pessimistic fan. I th- I'm not like, oh, they're going to lose every game. But I don't think they'll win MLS Cup. Now, they could surprise me. I'd be totally for it. And, yeah, that's what I'm thinking at this point in time as far as the MLS playoffs are concerned. Now, let's talk about a little bit about college football. 
we had a lot of games this weekend. Iowa and Iowa State both played. Both got massive wins. Iowa destroyed Penn State. Iowa State absolutely obliterated Kansas State. And, yeah, good weekend football for Iowa. So, not much to talk about there. Tyler Goodson played good. Uh, no, Makai Sargent played very, very good. And then Brees Hall had himself another fantastic game. And I feel I feel bad for Brees Hall. I'm not an Iowa State fan whatsoever, but I feel bad for Brees Hall. Let me tell you why. Now, at the beginning of the season, I even though he was having a great year, I was like, ah, well, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris are better overall running backs and play for the bigger program, so they'll get more talk in the Heisman candidacy than Brees Hall would. But those two have kind of fallen off. Travis Etienne, first off, Clemson hasn't played in a little bit, and Etienne did not have himself a great game against Notre Dame the last time they played. And, yeah, Najee Harris, Alabama's passing attacks become elite this year, so he's kind of gotten less and less carries. But Brees Hall is single-handedly carrying this Iowa State offense because Brock Purdy's had himself a down year. Not a bad year, but a down year for his standards. And I feel bad because of the fact this is the same thing that what I think will happen to Brees Hall is the same thing that happened to Sean Green, uh, what was it, 12 years ago? where Sean Green ran for 100 yards every single game of the season. Doak Walker award winner, I think Brees Hall is going to do the same thing. I think he's going to rush for over 100 yards every game this season and win the Doak Walker award. And sadly, will not be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And I'll tell you why. Because like Sean Green, even though he was by far the best running back in college football that season, this is a good year for quarterbacks. Sean Green, the Heisman finalists for Sean Green's year were Tim Tebow, Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford. They're three of the goats as far as 2000s quarterbacks for college football. Like, you can't get much better in college football standards than Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, and Tim Tebow, at least in the 2000s era. So Sean Green wasn't going to even have a shot at winning that, so they only brought those three to the ceremony. Brees Hall could rush for 2,000 yards this season, but do you really think he's going to get in over, like, a Justin Fields, even though he had a bad game this week, or a Trevor, eh, probably Trevor Lawrence because he's been out for a little bit, but Mac Jones... Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask. I don't think Zach Wilson will win it, but they'll they'll invite him because he's a quarterback. And unless quarterbacks are having a down year, it's a quarterback award. Now, obviously, it's a quarterback and running back award mostly, but unless the quarterbacks are having down years, it will go 90% of the time to the quarterback. I think Justin Fields totally deserves to go to the Heisman ceremony, even though, again, I can't stress enough how he this is his worst game in college football. But it's, he is not having a bad year whatsoever. He's having himself another fantastic year. And he'll be a top two pick in the draft. Or top three, at least. Because it depends on which team needs a quarterback. If it's Jacksonville and the Jets, they'll, those two will go first. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I think if I had to hand out the Heisman Trophy right now... Oof. See, this is hard. I might give it to Trask if I'm looking at it right now. Trask is one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. I love Mac Jones as well. I love Justin Fields. I love Trevor. I really like Zach Wilson. But Matt, I think Trask, with how many times... He's thrown four-plus touchdown passes, and I think every game minus two in the first half. That could be wrong. I could be completely wrong about that. But I'm pretty confident that was that's what his number is. He has 31 touchdown passes and three interceptions. Compare that to Mac Jones, who I think also is having... He'll be probably finished second in the Heisman. Has 18 touchdowns and three interceptions. Kyle Trask should win the Heisman this year, if I'm being completely honest. And he'll be a top 20 draft pick this year, which is a fantastic story for Kyle Trask. Like If you look back when he was in high school, he was the backup to Eric Eric King. And now he's the starter, and he's going to get drafted, not only get drafted before Derek King, but win a Heisman before Derek King. And Derek King, that's... Not saying anything bad on Derrick King. It's just how great Kyle Trask has been since he's gotten the starting job at Florida. Derrick King is the sole reason Miami's even good this year. He carries that team on offense and on defense. Now they got some good players on defense. I'm not going to take that away from him. But offensively, Derrick King carries that team. But I think Kyle Trask will get the Heisman. If I had to do the rankings right now, like how it will finish, I would probably go Trask. I think Jones will finish second, then Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trevor, because Trevor's been, he missed two games, then Clemson hasn't played in a little bit, so I think that'll hurt him a little bit in that regard, but I think he's, a. I, if we're doing like rankings for the NFL, 
I would put Trevor first, Justin Lo- Justin Fields. Um, then probably Zach Wilson, and then who? Mac Jones, Trask, and I could be swayed either way on the bottom three. I'm not gonna sold. I'm not gonna stand firm on that bottom three, but the top two are unquestioned. I'd probably throw Trey Lance at three or four. Like it's this quarterback draft class. I remember at the beginning of the summer, after the NFL draft happened, when you saw Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Love go in the first round, people were putting Jamie Newman in the first round, which I thought was stupid at the time, and it looks even dumber now. Same with Brock Purdy. Like, I never understood why people were throwing Jamie Newman in the first round to begin with, but I, it looks dumber now. There might be six quarterbacks taken in the first round this year. Because if you look at teams that need quarterbacks or might even think about quarter, getting quarterbacks, the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants might think about it, the, Re- the Washington football team, the Steelers, the Bears. Now, I'm not saying the Steelers need one, but, like, looking for a future, future guy. Bears. Um, then we got... The Jaguars looking for a quarterback. The Panthers might. I don't think they should, but they might do it this year. Uh, then you got the freaking 49ers will be running for a quarterback. That's nine teams that could possibly be looking at quarterbacks. I'm not saying all those teams will draft quarterbacks, but they might be looking at quarterbacks. And there's six very good quarterbacks. All the positives of these two, all these quarterbacks, like you look at Trask. Trask is by far like the biggest quarterback. We're talking about height and weight. Just Trevor Lawrence is the tallest, but Trask is the thickest quarterback. He's like 6'5", 240 pounds. He's a big dude. Has a cannon arm, is accurate, and can move. For being as big as he is, he looks like a college version of Big Ben. That's what he kind of reminds me of, playing at Miami, Ohio. Kyle Trask is awesome. And their tight end, Pitts, for Florida, he'll be drafted in the first round as well. That dude is an absolute beast. I watched him against Ole Miss the first game of the year. It's like, wow, this dude is awesome. And Trask has been balling out ever since that game, and he'll be up there. But his big strength is his size. That's obviously the big one. Arm strength is obviously a big one as well. Zach Wilson is uh, second most mobile quarterback out of the FBS guys because you obviously put Justin Fields as the most mobile. Zach Wilson is extremely mobile and is very accurate. The downside to Zach Wilson is the fact that he has played absolutely nobody this season, minus Boise State. And yes, they obliterated Boise State, and he had a fantastic game, but they haven't played any. They just beat North Alabama, and their Twitter account's going, any team, any time, any place, and then they're trying to avoid the advances of Washington. Like, be careful what you wish there for BYU. You're not only going to hurt your team's chances of going very far, but you're also going to hurt your quarterback's chances of winning the Heisman or benefits them if he does good against those bigger teams. But the accuracy and the mobility is big for Zach Wilson, who has led BYU in rushing in a few games this season. Uh, Mac Jones, he's the next one that pop. I'm looking at the passing yard leaders of college football, and Wilson's third, Trask is five, Jones is six, but... I was thinking about Trask, which is why I started with him. But Jones is at six. Jones is very accurate as well. He has an arm that would probably surprise a lot of people. When you look at Mac Jones, you don't really think of prototypical NFL quarterback, but he's got a pretty strong arm. He's very accurate. Out of the quarterbacks we've already mentioned, he easily leads them in in completion percentage. Doesn't turn the ball over. None of the quarterbacks that we've talked about really turn the ball over that much. And... Yeah, Zach will Zach Mac Jones will probably again. This is kind of where like where today's NFL is going. Mobility is extremely important, so that's why Mac Zach Wilson will probably get ranked higher than Mac Jones in most quarterback draft grades and all of that stuff because of his mobility. I don't know where I'd put Mac Jones. Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are very similar to me. And this isn't like he's just checking down all the time. No, he is hitting deep balls to Devontae Smith. And Jalen Waddle, like they're not just checking it down; they are throwing the deep ball, which is very fun to watch. If you watched Alabama this year, you'd know Mac Jones is a baller. And to beat out Bryce Young, that's also a very big thing because people are comparing him to NFL Rookie of the Year, MVP candidate this year, former Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray, which is a very, very big thing because when Kyler Murray came out of high school, came into college. Never lost a game in Texas. One of the biggest schools in Texas in Allen High School. It was his mobility was just off the chart. That's the same thing with Bryce Young. Came from Matter Day, California. 
balled out in high school, was going to USC, but watching Keaton Slowest balled out, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to Alabama. Or he was just like, I got an offer from Alabama, they're better, so I'm going to go there. Which either way works for me, I guess. But he'll ball out next year. If you could keep Bryce Young away from starting at Alabama, good on you. And that's a testament to Mac Jones this season. Other quarterbacks on here, Trevor Lawrence, he's the next one that pops up on here. Mobility, size, arm strength, everything. Leadership, he won a natty as a freshman, carved up Alabama as a freshman. Yeah, undoubtedly the best quarterback in this draft class. I think you could argue, make arguments for Justin Fields, but Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he's got the it factor as well, and I just love watching Trevor Lawrence play. People are considering him a can't-miss prospect. They're comparing him to Andrew Luck, and if you don't remember Andrew Luck when he got drafted, that is a very high mark for Trevor Lawrence to say that he is even close to Andrew Luck as regards to a draft prospect is an insane compliment to Trevor Lawrence. And I feel bad for him because he's going to go to the Jets. But maybe someone else trades up to get him, which won't happen, but you never know. And then we've obviously got the person that we've talked about a couple times on today's show is Justin Fields. You could say this for a lot of these quarterbacks on here, apart from Trevor Lawrence, but all the teams that these quarterbacks play for and even, uh, you could you could throw out Zach Wilson in this too. But I hate, we talked about this, I think, on Friday. I hate when people go, oh, well, this quarterback went to that school. So this quarterback's going to be, at, uh, I wouldn't draft him. That's such a stupid, stupid, lazy argument. So by that, you wouldn't draft Joe Burrow. You would pass on him because, ugh, LSU, Jamarcus Russell, remember him? He sucked. You wouldn't draft Tua because what Alabama quarterback other than Bart Starr and Joe Namath have panned out in the NFL? And those were in the freaking 60s and 70s. So where you're not going to draft Tua? Or you're not going to draft Justin Herbert because Marcus Mariota, because of Joey Harrington, because of Keeley Smith? You're not going to draft him? Where does the argument stop in that? Not every college is blessed with quarterback, 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 quarterback. Oh, Justin Fields, Joint uh, Haskins not very good. Justin Fields is a thousand times, I think we said this on Friday, he is a thousand times the quarterback that Dwayne Haskins is. I cannot stress that enough. He's mobile. He's a way better leader than Dwayne Haskins. He doesn't have just one good season like Dwayne Haskins had. Justin Fields is awesome. Justin Fields is one of the most electrifying players in college football. Dwayne Haskins was a freaking statue. Nothing about Dwayne Haskins goes, oh, you got to watch Dwayne Haskins, other than when he obliterated Michigan last game of the year, when he threw for like 500 yards. Uh, nothing else. And he's a freaking statue. He can't move. He's not very accurate. Even though he set up a bunch of records and broke Drew Brees' records in, at Ohio State. Justin Fields is a thousand times more athletic than Dwayne Haskins. He's way more accurate than Dwayne Haskins. Justin Fields is freaking awesome. And yes, he threw three interceptions against Indiana. And yes, he had three interceptions all of last year. But every number, other than the interceptions, is better, or on pace to be better, than last season. His completion percentage is shot up 12%. And again, he's not Mr. Checkdown, like we talked about with like Mac Jones, with not being a checkdown guy, completed 77% of his passes. Not a checkdown guy. 79% of his passes are completed. 10.7 yards average per completion. He's averaging a first down every time he freaking throws the ball. That is an insane stat. His quarterback rating is 21 points higher, or passer rating is 21 points higher than it was last season. And until this game Saturday, he had more total touchdowns than incompletions. And he's not just a runner. That's another thing, too. Yes, he is very, very mobile. But he's not a run-first quarterback. He is a pure passer. Last season, he threw 41 touchdowns and three interceptions. That is ridiculous. That is... And two of those interceptions came against Clemson. So before the college football playoff, he had one interception the entire season. Goodness gracious. He's a beast. I would take... If the Bills didn't have Josh Allen, I would take Justin Fields in a freaking heartbeat. Easily. I would take Trevor Lawrence, too. I mean, that goes without saying. I would honestly be cool with any of these quarterbacks. Obviously, Trey Lance has the least to know about this year. A lot of people just focus on the FBS programs. 
and the game that Trevor Trey Lance played this year was not anything spectacular against Central Arkansas. So it wasn't like anything worldly. He threw his first interception in college that game. So that's not the best way to look at it. But yeah, yeah, it's this is gonna be a fun draft. There's a lot of very very talented players in here. If you want skill positions, there's not a lot of better drafts than this one. You got the quarterbacks we just talked about. Six possible first-round draft picks. The running backs. You got Travis Etienne and Tra- uh, Najee Harris. Wide receivers. Rashad Bateman. Jamar Chase. Uh, Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddell. Pitts from Florida. Like, if you want skill positions, this is the year to draft your skill positions. There's some decent offensive linemen in there, like Alex Leatherwood, Walker Little. Uh, Penny Sewell is obviously up there as well. He'll be their number two or three pick in the draft, one would suspect. Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Patrick Sertan, cornerback from Bama. Like, there's so many good players in this draft class. Is it as deep as last year's draft class? Probably not, but it's still a very, very, very good draft class. Very first-round heavy draft will be probably what we're going to see come, what is it, late April, early May? I can't really remember exactly when this upcoming. Usually it's late April, but one year might be late May. You never know. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. I love the NFL. That's my favorite time of the year. The NFL draft is my favorite time of of the year. So now, before we close out today's show, let's go over some NFL stuff today. Uh, Chargers beat the Jets. I talked about that a little bit. I think we talked about it on Friday. I, mean, I would hope so. I talked about it on Colin Company, which again, you can listen to me on there every Monday, Thursday, and Friday from 5 to 6. But you can listen to the show every day you want. Uh, but yeah, Chargers, Jets, closer than what a lot of people would have suspected in this game. Because the Chargers love to play down the competition and lose close games. Herbert balled out again. And with Burrow tearing his ACL and Tua getting benched. Congratulations on 2020 NFL Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. <laughs> Woo! Now, I already crowned him Rookie of the Year like a couple weeks ago. But it's cemented now. There's not really anybody competing with him for Rookie of the Year. Regards to the offensive side of the ball. Like, I don't even know who else really compares. I mean, Justin Jefferson... We'll be up there. Obviously, we'll be up there. And I we, Noah, who I watched, again, as we talked about earlier, watched the Vikings game as long as sport, as well as Sporting Kansas City play yesterday. And he brought this up. And it's true. 100% true. The Diggs trade, sending Savon Diggs to Buffalo, was a win-win for both sides. And on the face of it, you're like, oh, you gave up the guy leading the league in receiving yards. But if you want a like-for-like replacement, pretty much. Now, I don't... Justin Jefferson's not as fast as Diggs, but... Justin Jefferson is a very good wide receiver. And the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles took Jalen Rager, not the fact that they took Jalen Rager, because I had them taking Jalen Rager, but I am trading back and taking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson is ridiculous. You got rid of Nelson Aguilar. Why did you draft the clone of Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Rager? Fast and questionable hands. Why did you just draft why why didn't you just draft the the, the best wide receiver available? And Justin Jefferson. It's like a no-brainer. I did not think that the Eagles would actually take Jalen Rager above Justin Jefferson. I thought they'd take him, not before <laughs> Justin Jefferson. It's a very stupid pick. And Justin Jefferson leads the rookies in receiving yards this year. He's balled out. Vikings got themselves an amazing number two receiver in Justin Jefferson. I love Jeff, Jeff, Justin Jefferson coming out. I love him now. And he's worked very well for the Vikings. Same thing with Diggs with the Bills. I would say Diggs has worked out more for the Bills because he's completely transformed their offense. But... It's not saying anything bad or negative against Justin Jefferson because he's a very good player. Once these draft picks the Vikings have start getting more experience, like the Gladneys, the Dantzlers, the Ezra Clevelands, Jeffersons, they're going to be a very good team, undoubtedly. You have two young corners with no actual good veterans there. Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes left in the offseason. You don't have actually any good uh, veterans to teach these guys. It's just try, trial by fire, which works out for some but not all of them. And these two corners, once they get their game time in, will be very, very, very good corners. Once I would expect them to be very good corners. They were awesome in college. Now, I had Jalen Johnson higher than Jeff Gladney, and Jalen Johnson is better than Jeff Gladney. But at this point in time, because Kyle Fuller uh, helped Jalen Johnson develop a lot, but I think Jeff Gladney will come good in time in Minnesota. And speaking of the Vikings, lost to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, 31-28. Uh, it was a pretty fun game. Can't really lie. Um, Thielen had a great catch. CeeDee Lamb had a great catch. Andy Dalton played good, or decent, I guess. 
better than what they had, which is not really saying a lot, but you know what? He played better than what they had. And yeah, the Vikings lost. The Packers lost to the Colts as well, and the Lions got shut up by the Panthers, so meaning the Bears on a bye one this weekend. Every team in the NFC North lost, and same thing for the Buffalo Bills who are on a bye week. Every team in the AFC East lost. Jets lost the Chargers, Pats got smacked by the Texans, and the Jets lost. And I say smacked, Deshaun Watson smacked them. It wasn't really like the final score smacked them. But, and then the Dolphins lost to the Broncos and benched Tua in the process. And we talked about that, how the Broncos like to punch above their weight every once in a while, and this was could have been one of those games. That's exactly what happened in this one. And yeah, Broncos win. Congratulations to the Denver Broncos for beating the Dolphins. And... Tua, a few weeks ago, said, I thought this would be a little harder, then proceeds to get benched. Now, he has not lost his starting job. Brian Flores came out and said nothing has changed. But, not a very, it could be a good learning experience for him to get benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, right now, Chargers are looking like winners of the draft with Justin Herbert absolutely balling out and will win NFL Rookie of the Year this year. Browns beat the Eagles 22-17. Wentz sucked in this game. Yeah, it hasn't played great all year, but you could go that down to, like, Bad offensive line, uh, injured wide receivers, injured offensive line, but he's trying to do too much, which is hurting the Eagles. So, will he see Jalen Hurts at some point this year? I don't know, but we might. The Taysom Hill era started in New Orleans and couldn't have really gone much better for Taysom Hill. Threw for over 200 yards, rushed for two touchdowns. Yeah. I can't think of a better team to test if Taysom Hill is going to be a good quarterback than against the Falcons, who have historically this season the worst or second worst defense all freaking time behind the Seattle Seahawks. Um, that's not me just being funny. That's actually statistically proven this season. But yeah, Taysom Hill had a good game. Picked him up yesterday in fantasy. He got me 52.8 points. Put him at tight end. It was freaking awesome. I don't know if I would win the game if I didn't put him in there. Actually, I know I didn't because the person I had starting in them got up 14 points in the game. So, thank you, Taysom. And thank you for everybody in that league for not picking him up in fantasy. Uh, Joe Burrow tore his ACL in the loss to the Washington football team. Sad stuff. Uh, shades of Carson Palmer are ringing in the ears of Bengals fans everywhere as Carson Palmer tore his ACL, wearing number nine, former number one overall pick, former Heisman winner, and yeah. We've heard this story before, haven't we, Bengals fans? So, but every I love Joe Burrow, and hopefully for the, his sake, the Bengals actually draft offensive linemen. They drafted Jonah Williams two years ago. Hopefully they keep building on the O-line. Get Somehow get the third or second overall pick and take Penny Sewell because that is your best chance of keeping this kid alive for more than two more seasons. Uh, the Steelers beat the Jaguars, unsurprisingly. This is shades of the Carolina Panthers team. That went to the Super Bowl a few years ago with Cam Newton. Cam won the MVP. They went 15-1. and one. If you look at their schedule and who they've played and who they've beaten, they haven't played great, but they've won all of their games, which is the most important thing. You don't need to win pretty. You just need to win because they count the exact same. Barely beat the Giants. Barely beat the Broncos. Barely beat the Texans. Barely beat the Eagles. Killed the Browns. Barely beat the Titans, Ravens, Cowboys. And, yeah, rest of their season, do they lose another game? I don't think so. Unless the Bills... Get a big-time win over the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, which they did last year. I don't know if I see the Steelers. I bet, at worst, they go 14-2. and two. I don't think they lose two more games this season because they play the Ravens football team, Bills, Bengals, Colts, Browns. I think the two games they could lose are to the Colts and Bills because I think the, Bills, the Colts' defense could stop them. They played really good yesterday against the Packers offensively, so that helped them win that game. And the Bills, I think they can keep up scoring, but that would be a good matchup. Bills offense versus Steelers defense, that'd be very, very fun. But yeah, shades of the 2000-whatever Panthers team that won 15-1, and lost the Super Bowl, then proceeded to have a losing record this next season. But yeah, you have to you play who's in front of you, and the Steelers have done just that. And their division rivals, Ravens, they lost to the Titans yesterday on a Derrick Henry touchdown run, which helped me a ton in fantasy. So thank you for Derrick Henry for doing that. And then Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs, in a close game, beat the Las Vegas Raiders thanks to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, unless I forgot something, I think that's all I wanted to touch on today. Yeah, I think this was a good show. Good overall show. Caught a lot of stuff talked about that we forgot to talk about on Friday. So, 
yeah, I think that's it. We got the Rams-Buccaneers tonight. The Bucks are a four-point favorite in this game. The Rams are one and I think, five against Tom Brady-led teams. Or one and four, one of those two. Two losses came against them in the Super Bowl. So we'll see if that changes tonight. I don't really like either one of these teams, to be honest, but one of them's going to win tonight. Should be a fun one. Tune into that 7:15 tonight on ESPN. Um, yeah, again, that's all I've got for y'all today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you didn't, I'm sorry. Nothing I can really do about it now, but we move on. I'll get better, I promise. And with that being said, I will see you all later. Peace.